0: We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hopefully your day is going well. It is Friday. Depending on when you're listening to this, I'm either en route or in Savannah, Georgia. Going down there for the weekend, coming back on Monday morning. So I'm not going to be gone long, but we'll continue to do the podcast from Savannah. And it's a very opportune time because, of course, the runoff election is on the 6th. I'm coming back the 5th, but uh, the election is the 6th. And I feel... Very strongly about how this is going, you've got uh, record setting uh, early voting, and that's usually a positive for the Democrats. Uh, Herschel Walker continues to expose himself as a complete idiot. I don't see how Raphael Warnock possibly loses this it It just doesn't seem possible, but as I said, it's going to be interesting to be down in Georgia and get a sense of what the atmosphere is. When you hear tomorrow's podcast, it'll be recorded from Savannah. We'll try to get a feel for how it's going down there and what people are doing. But uh, I always look forward to going down to Savannah. love the people. love the city. It's a wonderful place. And uh, I'm going to keep my fingers crossed that Raphael Warnock beats Herschel Walker. But I don't know that we need much superstition or luck. I think Raphael Warnock has this. And it'll make a big difference for the Democrats, too. You see, when you have a 50-50 split with the vice president being the tiebreaker, you got to kind of work with the Democrats, you know, share uh, power in committees and all that sort of thing. But if you've got that one extra senator, you don't have to do that. You get more people in the committees. You get more power, generally speaking. So while technically the Democrats have the majority in the House or in the uh, Senate, This race is kind of important. It's going to change a lot of things, and it's going to be (laughs) one more thing to disappoint the Republicans. And I think you and I are on the same same boat here. We'd love to disappoint fucking Republicans. All right, before we get into the show, we've got uh, some emails to read. This one comes from Paige. Hey, Mike, I thought you may get a kick out of this. You were on the top of my Spotify 2022 wrap up. There is no doubt I have listened to you in 2022 more than your wife and sons have combined. Ha ha. Yeah, you I can guarantee you did. (laughs) I know my oldest son at least listened to 10 minutes of one of the shows. But yeah, there's no question you've listened more. And Paige, I appreciate it immensely. I imagine as we head into the new year, you will continue to be my go-to podcast first thing every morning. Thank you for sharing your gift to Gab and staying up at night recapping the news highlights. Enjoy this Georgia weekend ahead. Paige. Well, thank you very much, Paige. And what what Paige is talking about, if you don't listen on Spotify, you don't know this. But because I do the podcast on Anchor.fm, which is owned by Spotify, they have this wrap up. Now, if you're a listener, it'll tell you what your listening habits were. If you're a creator or a podcaster, it tells you about all of your podcast. And it was kind of interesting to see how many hours I produced, how many people listened. And uh, I was almost impressed with myself when I saw this. Uh, it's amazing the growth this podcast has gotten over the last year. And I'm only hoping that it continues to grow at that pace because, uh, then we can fuck with Joe Rogan. Nah, that's awful ways. <laughs> but, but anyway, it, it's good to know that uh, we get more and more listeners all the time. Listeners like Paige and the rest of you, of course. Now, the second email comes to us from Joe C. <clears throat> now, Joe's been on the show. He's sent a number of emails. Very intelligent guy. Great to talk to. Maybe he'll come back on the show at some time soon. And this is his email. Good afternoon, Mike. I'm still enjoying your podcast. He always says that. I'm still enjoying, but you fuck up just once, <laughs> then you're done. <laughs> but he says, I'm still enjoying your podcast, TikTok, and Facebook posts. I listen to you every day. Keep up the great work. A wacko thought crossed my mind about who may be vying for the House GOP leadership role. Matt Gates. Well, I got to be honest, he he might. I, I don't see there's any way he could get elected. I mean, if Kevin McCarthy can't get elected, Matt Gates certainly can't. He goes on to say, I know, I know, I must be a Cocoa Puff cuckoo cluck, but hear me out. Okay, I'll hear you out. Recently, Matt Gates made comments about having five House members who will vote against Kevin Dipshit McCarthy for the House Speaker role. And in a separate venue, Matt Gates made the following comments on proposed new bills that he plans to present on January 3rd. I believe that no member of Congress by House rule should be allowed to take a donation for their campaign from a federal lobbyist or a federal political action committee. That money all had strings attached to it, and anybody who tries to tell you otherwise is lying. And when members take hundreds of thousands of dollars from lobbyists and PACs, they work for, for them more than they work for their constituents. And guess what? I intend to offer the amendment on the House floor in January, and I already have the Democrats ready to vote for it, maybe even all of them. Now, this is coming from Matt Gates, and that seems weird. I mean, here's a guy that probably lives off of PACs and rich people's money. It's interesting that he would bring this up, but I've heard him say this before. I always thought I misheard it, but apparently not. He goes on, the second thing I would suggest, that if someone is a member of Congress, they should be prohibited from lobbying for life. Why is it so hard to say, choose one side or the other? You're either in the lawmaking game or you're in the influence peddling game. And those who choose to be in the influence peddling game, go ahead. But you should sacrifice that when you get the privilege to represent 750,000 people. I intend to offer that amendment on January 3rd, and I expect there will be Democrats voting for it. Uh, Again, that's interesting. I will also introduce an amendment to have a ban on members of Congress trading individual stocks. How can we say that it's not something that dilutes our trust in markets and governance when people are essentially able to bet the outcomes they have the ability to somewhat control? And I expect Democrats to vote for that. And finally, I would observe something that has worked well in the state of Florida, a single-subject rule. A bill coming to the floor should only have one subject. I was incensed as a freshman when I had to vote on the farm bill and whether or not to authorize funding for a war in Yemen in the same vote. We can still have broad bills that relate to insurance or education or appropriations, but the notion that we lash all these things together does not serve our constituency and the American people, and I would expect the majority of the Democrats would vote for my amendment for a single subject rule. Now, Joe C. comes back. He says, OK, Mike, while I agree with all those proposed bills that Matt Gates claims he will introduce on the floor in January, it certainly seems like he's pandering to the Democrats and lining himself up to become Speaker of the House. All he needs is for the Democrats to vote for him. Another thing, if these bills are so important to him, why doesn't he present them now? Maybe, just maybe, he's trying to leverage a chaotic situation to achieve his own political endgame and maybe protect his own ass from potential investigations and indictments. And yes, I know I'm, I'm a bit whack for suggesting his intentions, given that he's asked for a blanket pardon from Trump. But in this crazy world, anything is possible. Have an awesome day, Joe C. Well, you, you pose an interesting situation. If you grab somebody off the street and said Matt Gates is suggesting all these things, um, or if, they, if you just said some representative is suggesting these things, the last person they would pick would be Matt Gates. So to me, that's troubling. When you get somebody who is as vile as Matt Gates. You got to question it. Maybe he is pandering to the Democrats. Maybe he thinks the Democrats are so stupid that they'll say, Oh, yeah, Matt's a good guy now. He's doing the things we want to do. Let's vote for him. I got to be honest with you. You don't want to vote against a bill like that. I'd be surprised if those bills ever come up. It's easy to say. And maybe he is trying to get the Democrats to vote on his side for the Speaker of the House. I mean, He is a criminal. He is corrupt. He is a child sex trafficker. There is nothing he can do to redeem himself or rehabilitate himself, and maybe that's what he's trying to do. But it's not going to work. I'm a bad guy, now I'm a good guy. This isn't WWE wrestling. You're a heel, then all of a sudden you're a baby face. In the world of politics, when somebody does that, that should be a red flag. (laughs) What's that old phrase? If it looks too good to be true, well, then it is. Matt Gates is problematic. It doesn't, even if you liked everything he said and you're thinking, well, maybe I will get on Matt's side. Not a good idea. Matt may, may very well get indicted, if not for what happened in Florida with the child sex trafficking, but for the, uh, um, for the insurrection. And maybe that's what he's thinking. He's seeing how close it's getting. And he's seeing how that uh, sitting members of Congress are going to be exposed. Maybe he is trying to give himself some protection. I mean, it's real easy for somebody who's backed in a corner to change his stripes. But the fact of the matter is Matt Gates doesn't change his stripes. Even if he's telling you all the things you want to hear, you should be wary you don't want to get on Matt Gage's team regardless of what he says. Because you know what? If he does this sort of thing, you can count on the Republicans all going against him. They are going to buy into that. There's something fishy going on here. And I hope the Democrats don't bite on this unless they can play him somehow. And I don't know how that would be. But it's something to consider. Joe, you've given me something to chew on here, and I don't know what the answer is. I don't know what the game is. I mean, like I say, maybe he's trying to rehabilitate himself, redeem himself before the ax falls, before the indictments fly. You know, he gets an indictment or a threat of an indictment, and the Democrats say, no, no, he's a good guy. I would hope to God that doesn't happen. I would hope to God the Democrats learned a lesson and not trust this guy or any Republican, for that matter, as far as they can throw him. So I guess we'll see. I mean, there's a lot of things going on with the investigations. And now that we're past the midterms, I suspect we're going to hear some and see some evidence um, regarding sitting members of Congress who might have been involved in the insurrection. I say we wait it out till then before we make any decisions on who's a good guy and who's a bad guy. I think it's safe to say most Republicans are the bad guys. Matt Gates is without question a bad guy. He's been a piece of shit for the last two or, four, two or three years that he's been around. <clears throat> and if you trust him now, you're fucking crazy. Well, Donald Trump seems to have a bad day every day, and every day it seems to get worse. And a federal appeals court on Thursday ended an independent review of documents seized from former President Donald Trump's Florida estate, removing a hurdle the Justice Department said had delayed its criminal investigation into the retention of the top-secret government information. So what happened is uh, the decision of a three-judge panel represents a significant win for federal prosecutors clearing the way, for them to use as part of the investigation, the entire tranche of documents seized on August 8th. It also amounts to a sharp repudiation of arguments by Trump's lawyers, who for months had said that the former president was entitled to have a so-called special master. So that special master has been sent packing. and, And to be perfectly honest, I don't think the special master even understood why he was there. Nonetheless, this three panel this panel of three judges said yeah we don't need a special master here now what's interesting about that donald trump could appeal this and these three judges that said get rid of the special master were all appointed by donald trump but he could appeal it to the uh, 11th circuit problem is the The um, guy in charge on this three-judge panel is also in charge of the 11th Circuit. So he's made this decision. And he just didn't say, no, I don't think that's going to go. He said there is no way it's going to go. A Judge Cannon who made this decision, who put this in the process, not only did it wrong, but had no jurisdiction in it. And I think all of us thought that. I mean, this is in Florida. But it should be in Washington, D.C. So this three-panel judge pretty much threw it in the face of Judge Cannon. And as I've told you before, Judge Cannon's going to pay a price for this. She is being humiliated by this situation. And as I understand this, this has to go to her. And she has to be the one to dismiss it. So add insult to injury. Now, the ruling from the Atlanta-based U.S. Court of Appeals for the 11th Circuit had been expected given the skeptical questions the judge directed at the Trump lawyer during the arguments last week and because two of the three judges on the panel had already ruled in favor of the Justice Department in an earlier dispute over the special master. Now, the special master litigation has played out alongside a Ongoing investigation examining the potential criminal mishandling of the national defense information as well as efforts to obstruct. Merrick Garland last month appointed Jack Smith. And uh, this is going to take away the final hurdle. Jack Smith is going to be all over in this shit. And with this hurdle taken away... um, It's going to go like wildfire. It's going to speed up this whole process. And to be perfectly honest, in terms of the DOJ, the top secret documents are probably a higher priority than the January 6th insurrection. I mean, they're both top priorities, and Jack Smith is looking into both of them. But the one that's probably going to fall first is this one with the top secret documents. Now, it remains unclear how much longer the investigation will last or who, if anyone, might be charged But the probe has shown signs of intensifying, as I say. Investigators are questioning multiple Trump associates about the documents and granting one key ally immunity to ensure his testimony before a federal grand jury. And this appeals court decision is likely to speed everything up. The conflict over the special master began just weeks after the FBI search when Trump sued in federal court in Florida seeking the appointment of an independent arbiter to review roughly 13,000 documents. And, of course, fe- federal judge Aileen Cannon, bought and paid for by Donald Trump, is the one that put this in the process, got a special master, a guy by the name of Raymond Deary. Now, we were lucky with Derry because Derry's a legitimate judge, unlike Aileen Cannon. And he even said, What the fuck am I doing here? So the fact that he's been released is probably a relief to him because he didn't even see the need for something like this. But this is going to be a backlash on Judge Aileen Cannon. She is absolutely humiliated, she's embarrassed. And this might have some impact on her career. I mentioned that, you know, months ago when this started. She should be careful of what she does because it might very well cost her a job, a job that's supposed to be a lifetime appointment. But if you get get impeached or expelled or something like that, uh, that's a problem. Try to get another job. Now, she also barred the Justice Department from using it in its criminal investigations of any of the seized records, including roughly 100 classification markings until Deary completed his work. The Justice Department objected to the appointment, saying it was unnecessary hindrance to its criminal investigation and saying Trump had no credible basis to invoke either attorney-client privilege or executive privilege. Uh, the fact of the matter is, is we're talking about crimes— And if you've got crimes involved, well, then you're not going to get client attorney-client privileges. And, And the whole idea of executive privilege is fucking ridiculous. We know that's not a thing anymore. That's not going to happen. Now, let's talk about Kevin McCarthy real briefly. Kevin McCarthy, he's such a tough guy, isn't he? Representative Kevin McCarthy is hoping to replace Nancy Pelosi as Speaker after the Republicans narrowly won back the House. I mean, it's a slim margin. Now, McCarthy wrote to the panel's chairman, Benny Thompson, of the January 6th committee, and he was mad. He was angry. And on Wednesday, he was demanded that the panel maintain all the evidence gathered in the January 6th Commission's investigation. Kevin McCarthy wants to see that shit. He says, it's imperative that all information collected be preserved, not just for institutional prerogatives, but for the transparency to the American people, the letter reads. Now, remember that. He's real concerned about transparency for the American people. Now, the official congressional records do not belong to you or any member, but the American people. Again, remember that statement by Kevin McCarthy. Now, Thompson said the committee will keep records of the evidence it has garnered, as it is required to do anyway, and also... Here's where Benny goes gangster on these motherfuckers. Benny says, what we're planning to do is release the majority of those findings to the public. (laughs) So McCarthy can get his copy, but he's going to have to get in line. And this is not what McCarthy wanted to hear. What he wanted to do was get these documents, cherry pick them and say, oh, they lied about this. They lied about that and tried to divert, distract and and pervert this whole investigation. Well, McCarthy's not going to get that chance because the general public and, of course, the media is going to get a hold of it. And it's going to be a shit show. And McCarthy, Mr. Tough Guy, who. We don't even know if he's going to be the Speaker of the House because you need 218 votes, and he ain't got them. And a lot of people are going to vote against him. So he's a little presumptuous here, but that's always been the case with McCarthy. Now, McCarthy had a chance to have members on the committee. He had a chance to come and testify before the committee, so I think the horse has left the barn, Thompson said. The only Republicans on the panel are Representatives Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger. You remember that. Kevin McCarthy was given the opportunity to put people on the panel. Now, he wanted to put Jim Jordan and some other clown banks, I think, on there. But these people are under suspicion of being in the insurrection. I mean, it's absolutely silly that you would put these people on the committee. So Kevin McCarthy, instead of coming up with other other people to be appointed, He said, all right, then, then we're not going to play. We're going to take our football and go home. Well, in retrospect, that turns out that was a bad fucking choice. That was a bad choice. And uh, that's part of the reason why he probably won't be elected Speaker of the House. And if he does, he's going to be so weak. It's ridiculous. Thompson said the committee is continuing its work as it races to complete its final report. Thompson said we will end on December 31st. You know, people have been concerned about, well, yeah, but when the Republicans take over, they'll just shut down the investigation. I was never worried about that. I knew these people were smart enough to shut it down before the Republicans could get their hands on it and then to release the evidence. And the documentation to the general public, that's absolutely genius. That takes any power away from Kevin McCarthy. And this is why Kevin McCarthy is going to have trouble being elected to the uh, Speaker of the House position because he fucks up all the time. Clearly, he doesn't know what he's doing, he's incompetent. Thompson said if he wants to conduct whatever he wants as Speaker, it's his choice. <laughs> I love that. fucking love that. He is uh, going to have to win the Speaker of the House first. And as Joe C. mentioned, maybe Matt Gates is going for it. I don't think Matt Gates will get it. He won't get most of the Republicans to vote for him because he's part of the MAGA group. And there's a lot of people trying to step away from the MAGA group. The Democrats are not going to buy into this shit. Because they're going to need more than Matt Gates to vote for these things to pass. Uh, so just because Matt Gates may present the bill, remember, the Democrats don't have the majority. So they'll need some other Republicans to vote for it. And uh, that's not going to happen. Not enough of them anyway. I know Matt Gates is thinking he's doing a thing here, but he's not. Now, let's talk about Arizona. We heard about this situation where one county in Arizona, Cochise County, was refusing to certify the election in Arizona, which is absolutely fucking stupid. If they refused to certify their election, there would be a Republican who won the congressional seat where that county is part of that district. And if they did not or would not be able to turn in those votes because they refused to certify, that would cost that guy the election and hand it off to the Democrats. So go ahead and do it. It's also crazy because what it would do, it would take away votes from Kerry Lake. Uh, It would make a wider stretch between Kerry Lake and Katie Hobbs, and uh, then there would be no need for a recount or anything like that. But you got to give Katie Hobbs some credit. Katie Hobbs is the Secretary of State. She's the one running the election. She's making the decision to sue Cochise County to force them to certify. But they're saying, no, we're not going to certify. What they apparently don't understand, it's not only a lawsuit, but it's a crime for them not to certify. People can go to jail for this shit. But Katie Hobbs... Could have said, "Okay, don't certify. Let the Democrat win the congressional district, and let my win over Carrie Lake be that much wider." She could have done that, but uh, she chose not to. She chose to do it the right way, and that's why it's probably good that she is now going to be the governor governor of Arizona as opposed to Carrie Lake. Carrie Lake is whining and crying. Election fraud. The worst election in history. But what about all the Republicans that won? If it's the worst election in history, does that mean all the Republicans that won were part of the election of Rod too? See, they never look at that. They're so arrogant, they're so self centered that they don't consider the big picture. All they do is look at themselves. Now here's the interesting thing. They had to go to court today. They had to appear in court, the people in Cochise County that refused to certify the election. Now, they were having a little trouble because they kept wanting to get a lawyer, but every lawyer turned them fucking down. And why did they turn them down? Because it's a losing proposition. What they're doing is illegal. A lawyer is not going to walk into that fucking mess. So after being ordered to do so by a judge just 90 minutes earlier the Cochise County Board of Supervisors voted Thursday afternoon to certify its election results. Oh, these tough guys said, we're not going to certify, we're going to show the libtards. Um, But a judge told them, yeah, you need to get this fucking done. Shut the fuck up and just do your job. And they did. Now, earlier Thursday, Pima County Superior Court Judge Casey McGinley ordered the supervisors to meet at 3.30 p.m. to certify the canvas uh, of their county's midterm election results after they failed to do so by the November 28 deadline. Missing that deadline prompted Secretary of State, as I said, Katie Hobbs, and an advocacy group to file separate lawsuits to force the county to certify the election. And as I said, Katie Hobbs didn't need to do that. I mean, she did it because he knew it was the right thing. It was what she should do as secretary of state. But it was just the Republicans cutting off their nose to spite their face. Now, McGinley told the board, who was not represented by an attorney after the county attorney refused to defend the supervisors, that in missing the deadline, it had exceeded its lawful authority. They broke the law. Now, Republican Supervisor Peggy Judd said that the emergency board meeting that she couldn't bring herself to make the motion to certify the election results herself, but voted in favor of it when Chairwoman Ann English made the motion. During the previous meetings, Judd and Tom Crosby, who refused to attend the canvas, both voted to delay election certification. We're talking about two people, two dumb fucks that wanted to shut this down you know, own the libtards, if you will. Now the pair had previously said they refused to certify the election results based on the false belief that the electronic tabulators the county uses have not been certified under state and federal law, which is not true. Of course they have. These people just do what they do. They get butt hurt, and they want to own the libtards. So They pull this shit. They go to a judge today. They can't get a lawyer because they've got no case and it's illegal. And the judge says, Yeah, you're going to fucking do it. Get it done now. So, all this bullshit they were doing, they are again made to look like fools. And they had to certify it. Otherwise, these two fucking clowns would have gone to jail. It's amazing how Republicans over and over again try to shove things down people's throats and they get beat. Every fucking time, you would think they would learn a lesson, but they don't. They keep fucking doing it, and you will see it again before 2024. And during the 2024 election, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Will these trump will these election deniers finally give up the ghost and just kind of go along to get along, or will they still be fighting in 2024? Common sense would tell you they wouldn't. (laughs) But when we're talking about the Republicans, we're not talking about fucking common sense. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back. Now, we're all familiar with Alex Jones and his program InfoWars. And it's fair to say when you listen to InfoWars, Alex Jones is absolutely fucking nuts. He's crazy. He's inflammatory. But in a recent InfoWars program... He wasn't the craziest guy on the show. He wasn't the most inflammatory. In fact, even Alex Jones was getting a little nervous about his guests. So avowed anti-Semites Kanye West and Nick Fuentes joined conspiracy theorist Alex Jones for a deeply unhinged and hateful live stream conversation on Thursday. And this even saw Alex Jones push back against West's open embrace of Adolf Hitler and Nazism. Yeah, Kanye West said he kind of liked Adolf Hitler, and he liked Nazis. Now, at one point, Jones attempted to defend West against allegation, the allegation that he's a neo-Nazi, prompting a quick reply from West. See. Jones was trying to give him a softball, trying to give him a way to dig himself out of the fucking hole. Now, either West couldn't see that or didn't care or really believes the shit he's saying. So this prompted a quick reply from West. He said, I see good things about Hitler. West, during the headline-grabbing live stream, which took place just nine days after former President Donald Trump met with the openly anti-Semitic rapper and self-proclaimed white supremacist Fuentes. Here's what I don't understand. He's a white supremacist. Kanye West is black, but they're buddies. There are some serious emotional problems going on there. Now while Jones kept the live stream going for literally hours and announced the sit down as a world exclusive interview on his InfoWars website the the far right host Alex Jones at times tried to push back on West's claims and repeatedly said that he disagreed with West's point praising Nazis. Can you imagine that? Alex Jones having somebody on his show that's just a little too crazy. That's going a little too far. This is a guy that said the Sandy Hook shooting where six year olds were killed was a hoax. But this one is a little too far. I mean, what the fuck does he have to lose? He's lost over a billion dollars in lawsuits. He's going to be crushed financially, both him and his company. What the fuck does he have to lose? Oh, and, of course, we find out now he's shifting money. Now he might be under a criminal investigation, but yet this was too far. During one particularly bizarre part of the sit-down, West began discussing soon-to-be Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and pulled out a little net and a yoo bottle. <laughs> what? You know, I don't even understand that Israeli thing. Benjamin net, Netanyahu was kicked out of there and they were going to uh, take him to court. He was a criminal. And then all of a sudden he's back. So Kanye pulls out a little net and a little Yuhu bottle. You see what he's doing here? Net and Yahoo. He's somehow trying to correlate this little net. And you who Bottle, what is this, some crazy conspiracy theory, some QAnon bullshit? He says, I've got the perfect answer for the ADL. They're going to have to listen up. What we did is we brought Netanyahu with us, Wes began pulling out props. <laughs> he goes, I'm in the twi- twilight zone right now. Jones said to West, who was wearing a black mask. See, that's the thing. You got to see the video. Kanye is there. You know, it's Kanye by the way he's dressed, by the way he talks, the sound of his voice. But he's got this black mask over his face. I mean, it's just black, flat mask over his face. You can't see his features, his mouth move or anything like that. And so. Netanyahu, what do you have to say? What do you have to say to Alex Jones right now, Nick Fuentes and yay, Kanye? West then asked his props. <laughs> it was bad. It was bad for Trump to meet with Nick and Kanye. Okay, West then said in a high-pitched voice, pretending to be Netanyahu. I had no idea your voice was going to sound like that. Netanyahu, West then said so you don't like Benjamin Netanyahu Jones asked in all seriousness. I just heard about this guy 2 weeks ago. It's like the tweeting. I thought you had a funny I thought you had a funny name. I heard he's like really into like he's like a super killer. I could die for saying this West replied. What does this have to do with anything other than he's a leader of Israel? Kanye goes on. He says, well, look, 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 (laughs) look. There was that many looks there. He said, I'm glad you guys are here. And we could, we could, we could sit here and upset. All I'm telling you is you guys realize that the British government created Hitler and the Milner group put him in power. And there's something much more sophisticated, replied Jones. And I personally think that most Jews are great people. This is, this is Kanye. And I, and I understand there's a Jewish mafia, and they're used to demonize anybody that promotes freedom. But I don't blame Jews in general for that, concluded Jones, who has dabbled in anti-Semitism himself with his regular tirades against the Jewish mafia and platforming of white supremacist guests. See, this is the thing. Alex Jones is bad, <laughs> <laughs> but even he thinks Kanye's going too far. Now, later in the interview, after West had repeatedly said things like, I like Hitler and claimed that the Jewish media has made us feel like Nazis and Hitler ha- and Hitler have never offered us anything of value to the world, an exasperated Jones concluded, the whole world's crazy. All of us are nuts. This is Twilight Zone 2.0. Then West said, don't you point at me when you say that, West, who publicly discussed his struggle with mental health. Jones assured West he meant everyone is crazy, not West specifically. (laughs) Kanye West has to be on a self-destruct mission. I mean, every time he says something that's crazy and he hurts himself, he just goes ahead and does something different, something fucking worse. So we got him going to dinner with Donald Trump. Donald Trump's in all kinds of trouble because of Kanye West being an anti-Semite, Nick Fuentes being a white supremacist. And, uh, you know, of course, now Donald Trump doesn't know either one of them, which is ridiculous. Even his own Republican Party is admonishing him for this. But then Kanye keeps it going. Now, remember, Kanye has also said he's running for president in 2024. He ran in 2020. It was a fucking joke. He got no votes. It wasn't worth his effort. But somehow he thinks in 2024 he's got a shot. He thinks he's got so much a shot that he went to Donald Trump and said, hey, do you want to be my VP? And then Donald Trump loses his shit because he's a narcissist fuck. And he's not going to be second fiddle to anybody, especially a black musician. it's, It's truly amazing the things we are seeing. They're almost laughable if they weren't so potentially dangerous. I... I never in my wildest dreams thought we'd see something so blatant, so flagrant thrown in our faces. I'm sure there have been people in politics that are racist. In fact, I know there were. I'm sure there are people that were anti-Semites in politics, but they never came out and said it. People would never say these things in the media in years gone by, but now it seems like it's the thing to do. It seems like They think it's going to make headway for them, that they're going to get votes from it. But they're not. The vast majority of people know this is nuts. The vast majority of people do not agree with it. Do they have somehow in their heads, do they think that this is going to work for them? It's kind of like, (laughs) you know, when you're a young kid, you're a young man and you got too much testosterone, more testosterone than you have intellect. And you walk down the street or drive down the street and you see a pretty girl and you start yelling vulgar things to them, as some young men do, catcalling or even worse. Do they think that's really going to work? Do you think that's going to get the, the, the young lady to come over and talk to him and say, hey, I like the way you insulted me. Let's go on a date. It's the same thing here. They say these abhorrent things, and somehow they think it's working for them. But it's not. I'm sure when he was sitting there with Alex Jones, Alex Jones had a quandary to deal with. This kind of thing would be right up his alley. He knows it will spur on a lot of views and make money for him. But at the same time, he's in trouble. I don't think Alex Jones has ever run into a situation where he's interviewed somebody who's worse than him. He's used to being the worst of the worst. And then Kanye West and Nick Fuentes pop up and uh, he doesn't know what the fuck to do. He has no clue. All right, let's talk about some of the activity in New York. We know the Trump Organization is on trial for criminal fraud. Now, Jurors began hearing closing arguments at the Trump Organization's criminal tax fraud trial on Thursday, yesterday, with prosecutors claiming Donald Trump's company cultivated a culture of fraud and deception by showering expensive perks on executives and falsifying records to hide the compensation. Now, of course, the CFO, Alan Weisselberg, is trying to say, well, it was all me. They didn't even know about it. Yeah, right, motherfucker. Donald Trump had his hands on everything in his company, and if money was going out the door in the shape of cars or apartments or those sort of things, I guarantee you Donald Trump knew about it. In fact, they have checks that Donald Trump signed, so that argument isn't going far. Now, the defense argument sought to focus blame for fraud solely on the chief financial officer, Alan Weisselberg, who admitted to a tax scheme to avoid paying personal income taxes on a company-paid apartment, luxury cars, and other high-end items. Now, the question is, why is he still protecting Donald Trump? Well, I don't know. He's still getting paid by Donald Trump. He's not working anymore, but he's still on the payroll. He probably doesn't want that little cash cow to fucking end. The problem is, it could cost him more time in jail. As it is, it's going to be five months. Now, this clown is probably thinking, well, I won't, uh, I won't give in. I won't tell on the boss. and I'll do my five months, and then I'll be out, and I'll have money put away, and Donald Trump will keep paying me. Don't count on it, because Donald Trump is not going to have much money by the time this is all over. What you really should do, Alan... It's throw Donald under the bus, get as little time as you can, then write a book. I mean, for Christ's sake, you're 75 years old. Five months is a long time for a 75-year-old guy. So Weiselberg is now a senior advisor. He has worked for the Trump family nearly 50 years. He started out as an accountant for his real estate developer father, Fred Trump, who had all the money. Donald Trump just got bailed out um, by daddy until the Russians stepped in. But he started working for Donald Trump's company in 1986. Now, the Trump organization manages Trump's real estate holdings and other ventures, is accused of knowingly helped Weisselberg and other executives avoid paying income taxes on company-paid perks. Now, this isn't surprising. You know, in smaller terms, you go to a place to work, They don't want to get mixed up in the taxes and all that stuff, so they pay you under the table. We've all had jobs that do that. And this is the same kind of thing. Well, I could pay you a million dollars a year, or I could just get you a million dollar apartment, and you get to live in it free of charge. Well, the problem with that is there needs to be taxes paid on that, because as much as it's a free apartment, it is still income. And you didn't pay taxes, hence the reason why Alan Weisselberg is going to jail. But if Donald Trump knew about it, which he most certainly did, he is culpable as well. Now, Trump's lawyers argue that Weisselberg was only intending to benefit himself with his tax dodge scheme, not the Trump organization, and that the company shouldn't be blamed for his transgressions. But Weiselberg also testified that Eric Trump, Trump's younger adult son who oversees the day to day activities of the business, knew about the scheme and simply authorized a $200,000 bonus to Weiselberg. You mean to tell me, you mean to tell me that Donald Trump, Eric Trump, Don Jr., and Ivanka knew nothing about this? This guy worked for them for 50 years. Didn't they think it was weird that he wasn't taking as big a paycheck as he might normally take? That instead he was getting these perks? This sounds exactly like Donald Trump. Donald Trump is always trying to go in through the back door, try to slide something by the government, try to avoid paying taxes you got to understand, by giving him this apartment or cars or tuition and all that stuff, not only did it save Allen Weisselberg money from taxes, well, it didn't really save him, but he thought it did, there's also a lot of things that he has to, the Donald Trump and the Trump Organization would have to pay. Medicare, Social Security, health care, those sorts of things. So Donald Trump was trying to subvert all this stuff, keep it off the books, Well, when you're giving somebody in excess of a million dollars, that's a little hard to keep it off the books, unless you've got the, uh, the situation with the IRS game, which he must have had because this has been going on for fucking 30 years. what the, what the uh, Manhattan District is trying to prove that Donald Trump was part of this, the company was part of it, it was not just all Alan Weisselberg. Now, the company's lawyers have argued that the prosecution must prove that Weisselberg intended to benefit the corporation when he engineered the scheme. Under New York law, prosecutors with the Manhattan District Attorney's Office must prove that Weisselberg committed his many felonies in behalf or on behalf of the Trump organization. Wait a minute here. They're saying in behalf, not on behalf, making an awkward phrase that the judge overseeing the case has in something of an understatement called a confusing area of law, according to The New York Times. Now, Trump's lawyers are hanging a key element of the case on a purely semantic argument, a tactic Trump employs when he's run out of counter arguments. So it's that little phrase in behalf of, not on on behalf of. It's kind of akin to uh, Bill Clinton saying, it's a matter of what the definition of it is. Trying to split hairs, trying to deal with semantics. This isn't going to work. They have too much evidence. And when the verdict comes down and the Trump organization is convicted the Trump Organization will likely cease to exist. And if that doesn't do it, Letitia James, who's got a mountain of evidence about what they've done and has a civil suit against Donald Trump, is going to take so much money from them. You've heard the term $250 million. That's where it starts. There'll be more added on to that. That could be $500 million. It could be a billion by the time it's done. So between his company getting convicted and Letitia James winning her civil case, the Trump Organization will cease to exist. It will no longer exist. And that will leave Donald Trump with uh, some decisions to make, assuming he's not indicted and not in jail. Letitia James also wants to ban him from doing business in new york that doesn't mean he can't do business in florida i'm sure ron DeSantis will help him out with that at least for the time being until they start fighting about the presidential candidacy in 2024 but this is going to be interesting we're going to see a verdict here sometime soon and i guarantee you it's not going to go well for donald trump Things are falling apart for Donald Trump right now, and that may be the start of the landslide, the avalanche, if you will. Let's talk a little bit about Georgia. I'm going to Georgia. In fact, as you're listening to this, I'm probably in Georgia. So Donald Trump saddled Republicans with a clearly flawed Herschel Walker as their Senate nominee. This is the guy he endorsed, and he's a shitty candidate and we know that Mitch McConnell had said that, that they didn't expect to win the Senate because the lack of quality in their candidates. But in the final weeks of the runoff election, the ex-president has not spent a single dime to help Walker, despite the nearly $100 million of donor money he is sitting on. You remember that whole situation where he was collecting money For Herschel Walker. But what nobody knew at the time when they were donating the money is that he basically split the money. 10% to Walker, 90% to Trump. That's the fucking game he plays. So he's got a hundred million sitting in a bank account that he could use to help Herschel Walker. Herschel Walker is underspending Raphael Warnock by quite a lot. He could be helpful but Donald Trump doesn't give a shit about Herschel Walker, even though he endorsed him. He certainly doesn't give a shit about the Republican Party. So he's just going to keep the money. Now, it's going to be interesting to see what he has to do with that money. Now that he's announced he's running for president, that puts a little more restrictions on that money and what he can do with it. Unless, unless he can say, I collected it before I announced, and that's for something different. That's for my fucking pocket. Now, some 100 groups have poured $69 million into the December 6th runoff between Walker and Democratic Senator Raphael Warnock, and that comes from an analysis from the Federal Election Commission filings through, through yesterday. Now, 10 have spent at least seven figures, led by the pro-Warnock Georgia Honor Super PAC with $19.4 million, and Senate GOP leader Mitch McConnell's Senate Leadership Fund, with $15.3 million. So Warnock is a little ahead there. But the groups that uh, that are controlled by the uh, former President Donald Trump, who cajoled Walker to get in the race in the first place, Essentially, clearing the field for the former football star have not reported spending anything at all. Now, that's despite Trump likely having $94 million on hand between the Save, the America, Save America Leadership PAC and his Make America Great Again Incorporated Super PAC. Well, Donald, you got all this money. What's it for? You'd think you'd want to help the Republicans, at the very least, the Republicans that you're endorsing. But he's not going to spend it. He doesn't care, said Martha Zoller, former advisor to Georgia's popular GOP governor, Brian Kemp. People are really resentful of how Trump has handled all of this. So there's a lot of money out there. But uh, Donald Trump is decided, I'm going to hold on to this. I don't really care. So basically, he's kind of walked away from Herschel Walker. And and probably the reason why he's walked away from Herschel Walker is because um, he knows he's going to lose. I think there's no question that Herschel Walker is going to lose with the uh, huge record number of voters, the early voters in Georgia. That always benefits the Democrats, or the fact that uh, that uh, whatever polling is showing that Herschel Walker isn't doing very well. And I've said this before, because we only have one election now, everybody can be focused on this election. They don't have to worry about governor. They don't have to worry about the state elections. they all focused on Herschel Walker. And as I said, you give him another month like they did, well... He's going to fuck himself over. And that's exactly what he did. He makes himself look worse. More women are coming forward to say he did violent things or paid for abortions or gay people rides to abortions. Herschel Walker just looks to be an idiot. Every time he talks, he makes a fool out of himself. They're doing commercials with the crazy shit that he says. They're doing a good job of exposing Herschel Walker for who he is and what he is, and it's not going to bode well for him come December 6th. There's one thing that's been hanging out there, the, the potential for a massive rail strike, and this could be devastating to the country. It certainly would impact the inflation numbers, and it would just be very problematic. Yesterday, the Senate voted. Thursday, uh, Sen- Yesterday, the Senate voted to impose a union contract on rail workers in order to avoid a massive strike. But lawmakers did not include paid sick leave in the deal, as many workers had demanded. So the government came up with a deal, and the rail workers weren't feeling it. But now, as we get closer and closer to an impending strike. The government is saying, you got to fucking take it. Here's the deal. If you don't like it, too bad. The wishes of the rail workers were essentially sidelined by most Democrats who feared the devastating economic consequences of a strike, including job losses and spiking inflation. So the railroads were willing to shit can this country, at least for a period of time, just to get their way, just not to be fair to their workers. Now Thursday's eighty to fifteen vote enables President Joe Biden to sign a bill ending a stalemate between unions and the nation's largest rail carriers ahead of the looming strike deadline. Now without intervention from Congress and the White House, workers would be permitted to walk off the job or their employees could lock them out starting December 9th. What the fuck good is a union or the threat of a strike If the government comes in and says, no, you can't do that. As much as it would be damaging to this country, it would certainly be damaging to the railroads. And isn't that the point? you got to have some leverage. If the workers walk off, then the railroad is fucked. Of course, the country's fucked, too. But it's all about politics. The Democrats don't want the inflation rates going crazy and, and, and the country shutting down, which it would most certainly do. But when you're negotiating, you gotta walk it up to the last fucking point. It's a game of chicken here, really. Who's willing to let it let it fly? Are the workers willing to go on strike and be off work for a week or two? Are the railroads willing to get hit with a lot of loss in money? And, of course, the country suffers, too. Now, failing to include paid sick leave is an embarrassment for the Democrats who have for four years, four years, have championed the issue of paid sick leave for all workers. The U.S. is the only rich country that does not require employees to give paid time off for recovering from illness. It's also damaging to Biden, who has fashioned himself the most pro-union president in history, and you're damn right, it's embarrassing. But the reason they don't have paid time off isn't because of Biden, isn't because of the Democrats, it's because of the Republicans. They say they're pro union, they say they're pro workers, but they don't show it when it comes to the votes. Although it was primarily Republicans who stood in the way of the paid sick leave, it was Biden who called for the Democrats' controlled Congress to intervene before workers could use their leverage and go on strike. That's what I just said. Joe Biden blinked in this case at the detriment to the workers. The whole point of having a union, the whole point of threatening a strike is that leverage. Now, by doing what Joe Biden did, that took away leverage from these people. Now, I'm sure you're saying, don't pick on Joe Biden. Well, Joe Biden was in a tough spot. He didn't want the country to go to shit, but he didn't want the the workers to um, not get their paid time off. So he prioritized what's more important to him, the Democrats in this country. Well, keeping the railways running. So he blinked. Now, earlier this week, the president urged lawmakers to impose a deal as soon as possible without trying to add sick days. The House imposing the rail deal and adding sick leave in two separate votes, creating the possibility that the Senate would drop the sick leave measure. Now, Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez said progressive members saw it as the Best chance to get workers paid sick days, since there would probably be enough votes to implement the contract anyway. This is the best way we could do it. But they didn't get it. Now, here's the interesting thing: they they did offer up uh, sick pay, but of course the uh, Republicans and a Democrat said no. The sixth leave amendment fell short of the 60 votes needed. Of course they implemented the fucking filibuster, the Republicans did. They didn't have to do that. They could allow this vote to go without the filibuster, but no, they fucking did it. 46 Democrats and six Republicans voted to give paid leave to rail workers. Again, another embarrassment for Democrats. Some Republicans did support sick leave, but not all Democrats did. why, Why the fucking not? I bet you can guess who one of those Democrats was that didn't vote for sick leave. Yep, Senator Joe Manchin voted against it, while Republican Senators Josh Hawley, Marco Rubio, Lindsey Graham, Ted Cruz, Mike Braun, and John Kennedy of Louisiana voted for it. That's weird. What are we in bizarro world? These are the people you would think would vote against it. But they voted for it. Not Joe Manchin, though, and not all Democrats. What is that fucking about? I'm very reluctant about setting a precedent for us to be involved, Manchin told HuffPost, echoing the same argument that several Republicans made against intervening in the rail dispute. Manson said it didn't matter that Holly supported a sick leave amendment since he voted against the underlying bill that the amendment be modified. He's against the whole thing. So that's kind of an oxymoron, isn't it? Well, that's a good point. Sometimes these fucks do things. They will vote against something knowing it's not going to pass and then they'll vote for something just to look good. And it's not surprising that somebody like Josh Hawley would pull that kind of bullshit because he did. So the strike has been averted. That's good news for the country. But these folks that work very hard every day, that had some leverage, had that leverage stolen away from him, from the Democrat, by the Democrats and Joe Biden and the Republicans who refused to vote for it. Now, these people are stuck Taking something that they don't really want to take. Again, it takes leverage away from them. What's the point of having a union if you can't threaten to strike? Like I say, it's a game of chicken. If you're going to strike, and yes, it's going to affect the country, it's going to affect the workers, but it's going to affect the railroads too. Who's losing the most money? Who is going to blink first? It wasn't the railroads, it wasn't the workers. It was fucking the Democrats. And that should not happen. I will say this about Manchin. He was saying we shouldn't probably get involved in this. That's maybe true. That's maybe true. Let the workers and the railroads deal with it. Let them do what they want to do. And hopefully it'll work out for the best. But everybody's so afraid of what it's going to do to inflation and what it's going to do to this country that they blinked and they force the issue i think that's a little fucked up to be perfectly honest with you when you're negotiating you got to take some risk i've said this before one of the things i've learned about negotiations if you want to win a negotiation you have to be willing to risk losing because if you're not all in and you don't take it right up to the line there's no chance you're going to win the first person who blinks fucking loses the workers lost but they didn't blink they were forced into this situation do not like this hopefully we can come to some other resolution where where these workers get treated like fucking human beings as opposed to the way the r- railroads treat them currently all right we are going to wrap up the rational boomer podcast i uh, thank you very much for spending the time and listening. I hope you have a great day. We'll talk to you again tomorrow from Georgia. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.